0: you're listening to center church podcast At center church we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do you're about to hear a message from our pastor Matthew Edwards but before you do we want to invite you to visit our website at center there you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it secondly we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc and finally if this podcast minister to you in any way Go ahead and subscribe, and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in, and be blessed.
1: Hey God, give me something No, it's which one do I bring to church on Sunday? Uh, and so that's kind of what this morning is. Um, but I was just spending some time, and I had my wife kind of speaking to my ear a little bit. And I said, sweetheart, what do you think? And she spoke something to me that really uh, impressed on me to go this direction. So I'm excited for the message this morning. And I want to point out last week, my mom shared last Sunday. I don't know if you've heard the podcast yet. I personally didn't get to sit in here because I was checking on the kids and talking to the staff here at the hotel. Uh, but And I listened to the podcast on Monday. I listened to it again on Tuesday and Wednesday. It was just really, really good. And uh, she was asking me, and we normally don't say this out loud. She was asking me, she said, how did I do? And what we don't tell you is that's like usually the number one question. How did I do? You know that was it. And uh, I told her after I listened to it, I said, to me, the best messages are the ones where you don't have to use the word faith. But. People listen to it and they have faith building on the inside. That drives me crazy when you have to say faith 50 times in a message for the church to say, "Okay, I have faith. Jesus doesn't have to say faith. And I'm not preaching it. But Jesus, he's on his way to heal a girl that's dying. And on the way, a woman who has an issue of blood touches the hem of his garment. Jesus turns around to her and says, your faith has made you well. He never preached faith to this woman. He just said, your faith has made you well. And it was something about whatever she heard about him, not necessarily from him, but what she heard about him that gave her faith to believe if she touched the hem of his garment, she could get healed. And she did something that had never been done in the Gospels to that moment yet. So, again, I I was very like I, I walked away listening to that podcast three days in a row. And I told her, I said, again, it was powerful because you didn't have to say the word faith. And yet it put faith inside of me. And when the pastor says that, you know, hey. (laughs) <laughs> so anyways, I was uh very impressed, very I loved it a lot. Um if you want to hear that again, you can go back to the podcast. We're in the process of trying to put that on CDs for everyone. The C D burner has gone down, but we are getting that fixed. But anyways, it's Sunday morning. Are you ready? Sunday. Yeah. I'm ready for the word. I know the lights are dim, but that's so that you can see the screen some. Do you want me to raise the lights? Yeah. Everyone good? We comfortable? All right, great. Let's pray and then we'll dive into the word. Heavenly Father, again, Lord, we thank you this morning that you are here. As always, you are here. And that's what counts. That's what matters. So, Jesus, we don't want to uh, take this moment lightly. We thank you that you don't come here. You don't, you're don't you not in our presence this morning just to watch. You are in our presence to be active, an active participant. So, Father, I thank you that whatever anyone is struggling with this morning, I thank you that as we sit at your feet and hear your word, no one came to see me. We all came to see you. No one came to receive from me. We've all come to receive from you. So, Father, as we sit at your feet this morning and hear your word, I ask where healing needs to happen, that it would take place this morning, even this morning. Father, where... Uh, Uh, victory needs to take place. Even before we leave this place, I thank you that you've already won the battle for us. This morning, we sit at your feet. We look at your heart. We consider what you've done for us. And we thank you for all that you've done. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'm ready. Are you ready? That's my third time asking. All right, let's dive into it. So I was preparing. And uh, in fact, if you have your Bible, you can go to Ephesians chapter five. We'll just start there. Rather than have a nice long introduction of where we're going and what we're doing and how we got here. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 says this. For you were once darkness. And I want you to pause for one moment. Keep in mind, who is Paul talking to? He's talking to the church in Ephesus. Jew or non-Jew? Non-Jew. Gentile. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, which means Paul is the apostle for all of us. Are you with me? So what he says to the church in Ephesus is still applicable for us today. Okay. For you were once darkness, not notice and notice. I went back to the Greek as well. It's not. You were once in darkness. Some translations say, let's help Paul and put in darkness. You were once in. No, Paul says you were once darkness. You were darkness. All right. But now, now, and don't let, don't let the religious people at your jobs tell you, I'm stay safe. Anyways, don't, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You do not go back and forth. You cannot say one moment I'm a child of light, the next moment I'm a child of darkness. When I, when I sin, I'm a, child of, I'm, a, I'm a child of darkness. No, you are a child of light. Right. If you don't act like it, that's a different story. But it, you, you don't change who you are. Are you with me? When you were a sinner, and I want to be very clear about this. When you were a sinner without Christ, you could never do enough good things to change who you were. So why is it that religion has taught us once we are a child of God, we can do enough bad things to change who we are? All right? Just because you don't act like a believer doesn't mean you are not a child of God. All right. Now, again, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And notice he doesn't say or else. I love that. Anyways, for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Now, that's another message for another time. But I want to come down to something. Verse 11 and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Now, when I saw this. Let me say this. The way light was always shared to me as a kid was this: the light of God shines to expose everything that you are trying to hide in the dark. So when you come into the house of God, you know, as a kid, I would always have that moment. And I know some of you, if we're just being honest, all right, you don't have to raise your hand, but if some of us being honest, that minister would come out and he would say, Oh man, you know, the service was going there, and you just, you just slumped down in your seat. I'd say, Oh God, oh Lord, I didn't lied to my teacher. I didn't to my parents. He's about to call me out. <laughs> Again, the light of the Lord was here to shine and find everyone who was doing because the light is here to expose. All right, now I hope I can change your thought process on that. But keep in mind, he says, have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Right here, the, the context, and I, I'll show you that in just a moment, but the context right now is what he's saying is this. I want you to see what's not good for you. I'm not here to pinpoint your failures. I'm here to show you what's not good for you. Now, if you go down that route, it's another it's another story. But the point is this. The light is in you and shining from you so that you can see what's good for you and what's not good for you. It's not taking from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's taking from, hey, look, I can stay away from death and I need to stay where there's life. Is everyone still with me? Then you come to verse 12. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Talking about people who are still darkness. He said, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is... Can you say that one more time? Whatever makes manifest is? Light. light. Now, let me just go ahead and jump ahead a couple of verses, a couple of points, because man, I'm excited about this. Do you know that church is not about uh, exposing sin? No, no. Thank you for that thunderous amen. amen. One more time. Church is not about exposing sin. Amen. Church is about exp- shining the light on God's people. Yes. And you know what? When the light shines, it manifests the truth. Yes. Now, what is truth? Truth is God's reality. Let me say this. I used to have horrible back pain. And I've shared this before. What is God's reality of Matthew Edwards in the midst of my back pain? Matthew is not sick. Matthew is not hurt. Matthew does not have a disease. Matthew does not. He's not. He doesn't have back pain. That's not God's reality. And my reality at that moment, were not the same. And so I had to go back and listen to the word of God and bring my reality to his. Now, oh, my back still hurts. Yes, but I'm changing my thought process because I have to begin to see things the way that God sees them. Are you with me? God's reality is truth. My reality is always subject to change, but truth is never subject to change. I mean, if you are struggling with something this morning, we only need the light to shine on you so you can see God's reality. God's reality is truth. As long as you are in darkness, let's say, for example, uh, just an example. Let's say you put your hand into a hat. You can't see what's in the hat. Right. Or a bag. And you're trying to feel what the object is. Has anyone ever done as a kid? All right, so you stick your hand and you're trying to guess what you think it is. So your mind makes up a million different things of what you think it is. That's what most of us do on a regular basis, Monday to Saturday. All right, we 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 encounter things, we encounter problems, we go through this, we go, and we're 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 we're, it's like we're blind, walking in darkness, trying to figure out what in the world is happening, where did this come from, how did this get here, what 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 is this? We're trying to guess, and then you come to Center Church on Sunday morning, and the ministers shine light. into the bag this is not a problem God is maneuvering you God is moving you are you with me now again this morning the light is here to shine on everything that you're going through on every possible situation there is nothing evil that can kill you there is nothing evil that can destroy you whatever your call is let me say this Satan cannot touch you he's trying to throw everything he can at you to slow you down but he knows that you're on a fast track to wherever God is bringing you and everyone said yes Amen. amen So again, the light is shining. It's not here to expose sin. It's here to show you. No, all things are good for you. And the light is shining. So one more time, whatever makes manifest is light. And let me say this, the light manifests the truth. Are you with me? If you are sick this morning, the light is manifesting the truth. Manifest means the healing that God sees in you is beginning to manifest even right now. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Now, let me show you something real quick. When you look at, uh, when you look at light, in the Old Testament, and again, I want you to understand this is coming from a uh, from a kid who always was terrified to be in a service where the with prophet was. And I wasn't even doing bad things, you know. <laughs> he would come in and he'd start preaching midway through the service. He's like, "You, you," and he start calling that, You know, coming from that from that mindset, let me let me explain. When you see light in the Old Testament, you know that the Bible says God is light. light. And I think where the wires were crossed is Jesus said this: whatever is said in darkness will always be brought to the. Light. Like what I say to you in secret or whatever you say in secret will be pronounced from the rooftops. And that was a heavy statement. And somewhere along the lines, the church said that must be how we approach church. That must be how we approach God's people. But nobody ever took time to look at the context. Jesus said that at the Sermon on the Mount, if I'm not mistaken, at the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount was not him saying, this is what will happen from here on. What he was saying was, this is the constitution of the kingdom of God. When the kingdom of God comes, whatever is trying to be kept secret, it will be exposed. All right. Whatever you think you can keep quiet. Let me say this. It will be pronounced. But because God's people rejected their savior, they rejected their heavenly Joseph. Jesus went to the cross and said, I wish that I could have protected you like a mother hen protects her chicks, but you would not have me so he has to go to the cross and he dies not just for them but for all of us are you with me now because they rejected him the time has been pushed back for the kingdom of god to come on the earth but the time is coming you say well Matthew where did you get that you know after jesus was resurrected they said when will the kingdom come and he said it's not the time for you to know yet are you with me yes. now i know he we said well we are the kingdom of god let me say this the kingdom of god is within you but the physical kingdom of god will come down and it will rest on the earth yes. It's not here yet, but it will rest on the earth. Are you with me? So all that said to say this, when Jesus made that statement, the church took it and said, that must be the reality today. That's not the reality today. That's the reality that will come. But right now, where are we? So let's look at the Old Testament real quick. When you see the phrase light in the Old Testament, what does it mean? Now, before we go, let me say this. We're going to look in Ezra chapter two. If I'm not Yeah, Ezra chapter two. And what happens in Ezra is this. God's people have gone into captivity. The temple was destroyed while they were, uh, just before they went to captivity. They'd been gone for, I think, 400 plus years. When the time of their captivity ended, they came back home and they said, all right, let's rebuild the temple. Let's start burning sacrifices. Let's start offering all these things up to God. Let's uh, bake the bread that goes in the tabernacle. We'll drink the cup of the wine that goes in the tabernacle. We'll do all these things in the tabernacle. But the problem is this. If you are not of the right family, you cannot serve God. And when they were taken into captivity, All the books, not all, but most of the books were destroyed to keep record of who belonged to what family. So in the process, let me say this. If I was there and I was not born in the right family, if I'm just being 100 percent honest, I would probably be one of those people saying, hey, I'm a I'm a Levite, I'm a priest. Not because I love the Lord, but let me say this. Levites ate the best of the best of the best. Right? <laughs> Levites did not have to work. All right. They worked for the Lord. <laughs> People came and brought their tithes to the Levites and God said, I don't, I, I don't want the money. I don't want the food. Give it to the priests who serve. So if I lived back then and I wasn't a Levite, I would have been one of those. I'm a Levite. Believe it. Trust. I'm a Levite in my heart. I know I'm a Levite. So anyways. <laughs> The governor comes in and says, look, we can't just have anyone because they'll defile the temple. Mm-hmm. So what does he do? In Ezra chapter two, verse 62, the, the governor says this. These sought their listing among those who were registered by genealogy, but they were not found. So there's a group of people saying we're Levites. We should serve in the temple, but their name wasn't found in the broken records that they had. So watch this. Therefore, they were excluded from the priesthood as defiled. They themselves are not defiled, but we will exclude them as if they are defiled. Are you with me? And the governor said to them that they should not eat of the most holy things till a priest could consult with the Urim and the Tumim. Now watch this. I put it in gold. I should have waited so you could have that moment. I beat myself. Watch this. God says there's, I'm sorry, the governor says there's no books to keep record of this. So this is what we'll do. Someone go find the priest, the high priest probably, go find the priest. And back then, God instituted something in the book of Exodus called the Urim and the Tumim. Now, it's a very mysterious thing. A lot of people don't know what it is. To this day, we have to kind of guess at best. But suffice to say this, they all, all Bible scholars agree, the Urim and Tumim were most likely two stones that God made holy and separated. And God said, stick them underneath the breastplate. Now, the breastplate had all the names of the tribes of Israel, but it only had the first two letters of the tribes. So whenever God wanted to speak to his people, if they didn't know what to do, they could say, oh, uh, let's go inquire of the Lord what we should do. Bring the high priest with the Urim and the Tumim. And when the high priest would stand before them, they would say, oh, Lord, should we go attack the Philistines? And from behind the breastplate, the light would shine forth from the stones and it would light up which uh, name, which two letters they needed to get. For example, if I said, Lord, am I safe or am I in danger? The high priest, S would light up, A would light up, F would light up, E would light up, and then I would know I was safe. Are you with me? The Urim and the Tumim. You say, well, well, why didn't God just speak to them? Because many of them were not in the, many of them didn't know what they should do. So how do I know what God wants me to do? I go to the high priest and he brings the Urim, the Tumim, two stones behind the breastplate and it would shine forth what the Lord is trying to say to me. Did I lose you? (laughs) You're all so quiet. Like, all right. So the Urim. Now, Urim, let's not not miss anything. Ur, you are, is light. Im, I am on the end, makes it lights, plural, in the Hebrew. The tomb right here is perfection. But the I am makes it plural, perfections. What does it mean? Lights and perfections. Now, for them, that's the story. But what does that speak to for us? No one should eat of the most holy things till a priest, till a priest, who is our heavenly high priest today? Jesus, Jesus. but by his blood, all of us are kings and priests. Now watch this till a priest could consult with the Urim and the Tumim. So you can never take from the holy things that God has until a priest stands up with lights about the perfections that cover you. How perfect Jesus has made you. Let me shed light on how perfect you are in Christ. Let me shed light on how perfect your health is, how perfect your wholeness is, how perfect your relationships are, how perfect your business is. Let me shed light on that. And the problem is we've been trying to take up the most holy things, but instead of a priest or a pastor standing up and saying, hey, you are perfect in Christ. You are healthy in Christ. Pastors have been standing up saying, this is why you're going through this. This is why you're not experiencing. This is why. Are you with me? And instead of having light. About perfections, we've had lights about problems. (laughs) Are you with me? So, hey, the priesthood is not to show your failure, it's to show the lights about your perfections. Are you with me? So, again, when you see light in the Old Testament, God's understanding was never, let me show you where everyone's failing. God's idea of light was, let me show you how perfect you are. Well, I failed before I came in, I failed before I stood up and preached. But you know what? (laughs) It's the lights about perfections. Jesus has perfected us. Yes, what if I don't act like it? Jesus has perfected you. Right. You know, oh, man, I want to go about five different That's places, good. but I won't. Good. This is Old Testament. Would you like to see New Testament? Yes. Yes. Alright, cool. New Testament. Here we go. John chapter 8. And we share this a lot in this church, but you know, we have to show it again because it's Jesus, right? John chapter 8. Jesus is in the temple preaching and they bring a woman caught in adultery, caught in the act of adultery. They didn't bring someone who they knew was an adulterer. They brought someone who they caught in the act of doing it. So they bring her into the temple. They throw her at Jesus' feet. And they say, Jesus, the law says such should be stoned. What do you say? And most of us know the story. But in case you don't, Jesus, he turns around, starts writing on the ground. The Bible says with his finger, he writes on the ground. All right. Interesting. Writes on the ground with his finger. When he's, while he's riding, they standing there, the uh, the priests holding, I'm sorry, the priests, the Pharisees holding the stones that they were going to kill this woman with. Get tired of waiting. Jesus, did you not hear us? The law says such should be stoned. What do you say? Jesus, realizing they're not getting the hint, stands up and says to them, okay, you're right. But he who's without sin, throw the first stone. 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 You want to keep the law? Go ahead and keep it. Uh, but the only one who can keep it is the first one who's never broken it. Then he turns around and with his finger continues to write on the ground. Now, I love the story as a kid. Again, you know, I love the story as an adult. But then one day it dawned on me. Why does the Bible point out that he wrote on the ground with his finger? Now, for years, I was always taught he wrote on the dust with his finger. The dust is theatrical, but let's keep it real. There was no dust in the temple. In the Old Testament, in fact, in Genesis, Genesis, when God cursed the serpent, he said, now you will crawl on your belly from now on. You will eat the dust. So to the Jew, they would never have dust in the temple because the dust is the food of the serpent. Are you with me? So they don't have dust. So Jesus didn't write on the dust. He wrote on the ground. And what was the ground of the temple made out of? Stone. Here is Jesus, God in flesh, with his finger writing on stone. Are you with me? The last time we saw God write on stone with his finger was at Mount Sinai when he wrote the Ten Commandments. Are you with me? So they come to him and Jesus, the law says this. He starts writing with his finger on stone. Showing them, hey, look, you want to tell me about the law that I wrote? <laughs> I know what the law says better than you do. And so then they get tired of waiting because they didn't get the hint. And they, Jesus, again, what do, what do you say? And he stands up and says this, keep the law. Now, I love, I think it was a great man of God said this once. They could not stone her, but they would. Jesus could stone her, but he would not. Beautiful. The only one qualified to stone her wouldn't do it. Those who were unqualified wanted to do it. <laughs> That's the story of a generation of teenagers. I'm telling you. (laughs) That's the story of an entire generation of teenagers. All right? You think you can stone me? (laughs) But my point is this. They wanted to stone. So then Jesus, he says, you can keep it. But the only one who can do it is the one who's not guilty. He turns around and keeps writing. One by one, the Bible says they begin to walk away from the oldest to the youngest. Why oldest to youngest? The older you get, the more humble you should become. No one said amen. (laughs) All right? The older you get, the more humble you should become. So they walk away oldest to the youngest. Finally, we come to verse 10. When Jesus had raised himself up, saw no one but the woman. He said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? I know I know there are words on the page. Has no, one, no. has no one condemned you? All those who wanted to, has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. We talk about this a lot. The church has done it this way. Go and sin no more neither do I condemn you. It's not what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. If we can get this part right, we will have the power to do this part. Are you with me? Get down the, I mean, come on, be established in the truth. God is not condemning you. He's not condemning you. And then you will have the power over sin. Are you with me? Now, how can God be righteous and just? And we say, oh, how can he, how can God be the judge of the entire universe? Look at you when you fail and say, I won't judge you. Let me say this. If I'm in a courtroom and I'm number five in line, because, you know, five is grace. I'm number five in line. One, two, three, four, I'll go up and the judge says, oh, these are my sons. I'm not messing with y'all. Y'all good. Look, psh, innocent. Don't do it again, guys. Come on. Then he comes to me. I'm not his son. We have a problem. That was not fair. wasn't right? fair. It wasn't fair. I don't want to judge who's partial. I want to judge who is righteous. When his sons come up there, he treats them the same way he's going to treat me. Are you with me? Likewise, we don't want a God or a judge who's going to look at the universe and say, I'm partial to some, but I'm impartial to others. God is not being partial by saying, I'm not condemning you. God is being righteous to say, I can't condemn you. Let me say this carefully. God cannot, and I say this graciously and carefully and reverently. God cannot judge you. He cannot. Why not? Because he already judged me in Christ. He already judged you in Christ 2,000 years ago, your entire lifetime in Christ. Today, God is righteous, righteous not to judge you for your mistakes. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 12, all that to come to light. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. Notice he does not say I'm the light of the world in context of anything else. He says it to what? I don't condemn you. I am the light of the world. So what does the light in the New Testament speak of? Hey, I'm not condemning you. I'm not condemning you. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Watch this. I'm not condemning you means I am the light of the world, right? He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. If you follow Christ, you'll never feel condemned. When you feel condemned, you stop following somewhere. Are you with me? If you follow him, you cannot walk in darkness. And you will have the light of life. Meaning what? No condemnation gives life to everyone that's here. Yes. My prayer is when you walk out of here, life Ooh. bubbles up inside of you because you know God is never condemning you. If God does not condemn me, then I can ask anything I want from him and he will always respond. Are you with me? Yes. He'll always respond yes. because he's not judging me. I'm his favorite son. You are his favorite sons and daughters. He's not judging you. Now, let me, let me show you this one more time. What is God's reality? What is Jesus' reality of this woman? Granted, Jesus hasn't died yet, but Jesus knows he's about to go to the cross. So every miracle he does, every time he forgives someone, everything he's doing, he knows from the very first time he healed the very first person, he was bound to go to the cross to pay for it because he cannot just heal people. A payment must be made. Just as much as you cannot take something from a store without paying for it. All right. I know you got the hookup. It's not the hookup. All right. You cannot legally take something from a store where you have not paid for. And everyone said, <laughs> Just okay. all right. This as much as you can't do that. Healing cannot be given to you without someone paying for it first. Are you with me? You cannot be healed without someone first paying for it. So from the first miracle, Jesus was bound to go to the cross. So he knows he's on the way to the cross. He looks at this woman and says, Neither do I condemn you. This gift, let me say this. What is Jesus's reality for this woman? She is righteous. She is set free from sin. Doesn't mean she won't sin. It means that she'll never be judged for that sin. That's his reality. I want to ask you this morning, what is God's reality for you? What is God's reality for you? Sorry? Hmm? He doesn't condemn you. If you're sick this morning, God's reality is what? You're not sick. You're healthy. Not just healed. You are healthy. Come on. I mean, let's take it one step further. The apostles, the Bible says in the book of Acts, they would lay the sick people in front beside them, even a shadow's distance away. And the sick got healed. They could take handkerchiefs off and send them in the mail. And when the handkerchief arrived in the mail, they got healed. Now, let me say this. They didn't pay for that handkerchief. So don't buy a handkerchief from TV and say, he said he talked about this in church. I got to buy one. No, no. That was a free handkerchief. Freely you've been given, freely all right. Freely you receive, freely give. All right. The grace of God does not come at 19.99 plus shipping and handling. All right. <laughs> Again, the point I'm trying to make is this: What is God's reality for you? Whatever you're struggling with, let me say this: That's not God's reality. Let the light shine on you this week. Let the light shine on you this week. I mean, when you're looking at, let the light shine. Now I'm saying all that to bring you to the story I'm going to show you. When I was getting ready, what happened was this. I came across a story about a king named Hezekiah. Can you say Hezekiah? Hezekiah. A king named Hezekiah. And when I was getting ready, we uh, when we were... <laughs> I keep making these Israel references because you just have to go. When we were in Israel, we went to the city of David, uh, which is sectioned off. And we got to see where King Hezekiah and all the stuff Hezekiah did. It's really cool. Anyways, King Hezekiah, I was reading part of his story a couple weeks ago. Um, even this past week, I was looking at it again. And as I was getting ready for Sunday mornings, asking him, well, which way should I go? The Lord said this redeeming the time redeeming the time now we all most of us you know if you've been in church for over a decade you know there's a verse that paul says redeeming the time and we actually almost saw that verse in ephesians but i left it out to the end because i want to show you how to redeem the time are you ready now again for years you said well redeeming the time and everyone has their own idea of how to do this how to do that especially when it comes to redeeming something now again the idea of redeeming something is this let's say for example um I had a chair, I have this chair, right? That chair belongs to me. But for some turn of events, the chair leaves my ownership and goes into someone else's ownership. If I want to redeem that chair, buy that chair back, all right, if I want to receive it back, I can't just take it, that's illegal. I have to redeem the chair, meaning I have to pay for the chair. Now the price is always set by the one who owns the chair right then. But I can't say, well, I used to own this chair, I want it back, please. No, that doesn't work. I have to pay for it. Likewise, all of us belong to the Lord. All of us belong to him. But when Adam sinned, all of us were now sold into slavery. All of us now belong to sin. We be- Death was king. Death was supreme. Are you with me? But then Jesus came and said, I want to redeem all of you. I can't just take you. I have to legally pay for all of you. So what does he do? He dies on the cross. He sheds his blood and his blood becomes the payment for all of us. Now, He owns us in that sense. But then the Bible says, if you read the blog, then the Bible says in Galatians chapter five, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. He owns us. Then he sets us free. Are you with me? Yes, I bought you back, but I don't own you. If you want to come to me, it's your choice. Are you with me? So again, it is for the sake of you being free that he died so that you could make a choice. Because before the cross, there was no choice. But now you have a choice. Are you with me? And you had no say in the in the matter. So what happens is this. Redemption means I want something. I I, I owned it and I want it back, but I have to pay for it. Now, when it comes to time, let me say this. The one thing in the world that you never, quote unquote, get back is time. Time is always moving forward. Time is all time. Never goes backwards. Time always goes forward. And when you look at the Old Testament, there's a story of Joshua. He was in the middle of a battle and look the story for yourself. And the Bible says that they were winning and all of a sudden the sun went down. So they went back home. He goes back out the next day and they're winning, and the sun goes down, so they go back home. But every time the sun goes down, the enemy builds themselves up. They reimburse their army, right? They, they reinforce their army. Finally, Joshua realizes, ding, if the sun could stand still, we would win. So he goes onto the battlefield and they start fighting and they're winning, and guess what happens? The sun starts, and Joshua says, sun, stand still. And what does God do? God is so impressed, God holds the sun in place. Long enough for them to win. When they finish, time continues and the sun goes down. The longest day recorded in history. (laughs) God held the sun. Now listen, the Bible says God had never listened to a man like that before. He didn't even have Christ. How much more us with Christ? All right. So next time, uh, I tried to tell Christina this last night. Next time you try me, I just just need more time. (laughs) I'm playing. So anyways, that said, we have, a, we have an instance of that happening in the Old Testament with Joshua. Now, let me show you how to redeem time. Again, you had it, but you lost it. This is not God stopping time. This is God saying, I'm going to give you time back that you lost. So are you ready for it? Now, we're going to look at Hezekiah in Second Kings, is it? No. Ooh. Oh, man. What time is it? Let me see. 12.05. Can I show you this? Can I show you this before we look at Hezekiah real quick? Yes. Alright, I won't hold you up much longer. I'll show you Paul, King Hezekiah, and we'll go home. Sound good? Yes. <laughs> well, if I take it and you say I got it back, but he still took it. So <laughs> So Acts chapter nine, let me show you this real quick before we show you King Hezekiah. Okay. Now this is the apostle Paul before he was Paul, his name was Saul. <coughs> Now Saul was running around he was he was separating parents from their children he was killing Christians and uh he was having them brought to the colosseum so they they could be killed Saul at this time was fighting for the Jewish faith for the for Judaism he was fighting for the Jewish faith he was anti-Christ in everything he did he hated the message of Christ he hated the gospel so Paul is fighting against the church of Jesus Christ but this is the story of what happens when Jesus interrupts his life. Now, I want to show you this. It says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, all right, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now notice real quick, what shone all around him? Light, right? Light. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Watch this, verse 5. And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Hmm. Now watch this. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Now watch this. Saul was the most unqualified person to preach the gospel. Hmm. The most unqualified. Not only was he fighting against the church, he wasn't just someone protesting against the church. He was killing Christians, separating fathers from their wives and parents from their children. Paul was responsible for a lot of damage. Are you with me? Saul. And while he's responsible for all that, let me say this. There were, and I can say this, there were more qualified people who deserved a visitation from the Lord. Way more qualified people. But do you know who got the visitation from Jesus? Saul let me say this you are not disqualified you will you are not disqualified Jesus shows up to him and let me say this he goes on to write two thirds of our Bible in the New Testament two thirds of it it says now verse nine now watch this the light shines it blinds him now what did I tell you earlier the light shines and says you are not judged the light shines and says you are not sick the light shines and says you are not poor the light is always shining with God's reality but when the light shone on him he didn't have great news. When the light shone on him, it blinded him. Now, who is the one that came to him again? Jesus. Jesus is grace personified. When grace appeared to him the first time, it blinded him. Watch this. And he was there three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Can you say Ananias? Ananias. Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. Let me tell you real quick. Ananias, his name means grace. Same name as John. His name means grace. Watch this. Verse 11. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias. He has seen a man named Grace coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his Son. Grace blinded him for three days. And in a vision in his blindness, God sends a man named Grace to come and reopen his eyes. I'm telling you, no matter how bad it gets, God's grace. Don't pray for your, for your enemies. Don't pray for your enemies to be destroyed. If anything, pray God blind them. <laughs> All right, not, not, not literally blind. Not, you get my point. He blinded. The grace of God blinded him. Now, let me say it this way. The grace of God humbled him. He can no longer walk on his own. Somebody has to lead him by the hand. Grace brought him to his knees. But it was grace that lifted him back up. And elevated him to make him the greatest. Grace will always humble you. Grace will always bring you back down. Grace says, I can't trust in myself. I can't trust myself even with the next step. I need someone to help me. Are you with me? Oh, man. Now, let me show you Hezekiah. Second Kings chapter 20, the story of King Hezekiah. It says, in those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos went to him and said to him, thus says the Lord, set your house in order for you shall die and not live. God comes in and says, you're about to die. (laughs) Get your affairs in order. Then he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord saying, remember now, O Lord, I pray how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Let me say this and you can take it or leave it. You don't have to take my commentary on this part. But let me say this. Anytime in the Old Testament, someone says, remember to God. Anytime they say, remember, God always does something crazy. Always. (laughs) Samson. Blind, eyes plucked out, hair cut. He didn't slept with too many women. He didn't kill too many lions. He didn't done all the things. Everything God said, don't do these three things. He did 15 more. He shouldn't have done. I mean, this dude was bad. And then on the day he dies, he says, God, remember me so I can get revenge for my eyes. What a powerful prayer. But anytime someone says, remember me, God always moved, always moved. And you know what Samson did that same day? He said to the little boy, Take me to the pillars, I hold up the building. Yeah. And when there were more Philistines gathered in one place than ever before, he pushed down the pillars and killed everybody, even himself. Yeah. Anytime someone in the Old Testament says, Remember me, it doesn't matter what they say after, God always moves. When I think it was uh, Isaac's wife, not Isaac, Joseph, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's wife, she got upset and said, Why won't you give me a son? He said, Is it me that closed up your womb? Go to the Lord. She went to the Lord and said, Lord, and the Bible, she went to the Lord and prayed. And the Bible says the Lord remembered her. And even though everyone else around her was having children, when she when the Bible says the Lord remembered her, all of a sudden her womb was open. Are you with me? So it doesn't matter, I'm, I'm, I'm carefully, it doesn't matter what they say after. When they say remember, all of a sudden something happens. Now, you know why I believe that? Why God loves that word, remember? Because whenever we bring Jesus back, essentially what we're saying is, Lord, remember what Jesus did. God always moves. Even when you pray the wrong things, the moment you put Jesus into that prayer, God remembers his son. And it doesn't matter what you said before, what you matter after, he will always move for you. God loves that word, remember. So he says, Remember, O Lord, I pray how I walk before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what's good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. To me, that's the self-righteous prayer. But He threw in, remember. So we come to verse four. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Don't let anyone religious tell you God doesn't care about your crying. God said, I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you on the third day. You shall go up to the house of the Lord. Now, if that's me, that's all I need. Thank you, Jesus. I'm good. Verse six, and I will add to your days 15 years, 15 years. I will deliver you and the city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend the city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant, David. Then Isaiah said, take a lump of figs. So they took it. So they took and laid it on the boil and he recovered. Now, what was killing Hezekiah was a boil. He was about to die and God issues the death decree over him he cries out to the Lord remember O Lord and the Lord says, okay go back tell him he'll live I'm giving him fifteen more years Isaiah says, bring figs and put the figs on him let me can I can I show you the types let me show you why are figs so important when we when I was a kid I always heard about the promised land the land that flows with milk and and I always thought honey that comes from bees now I've shared this before but when you go to Israel when you go and all of you will in the name of Jesus when you go to Israel you find out that it's not Honey that comes from bees. It's honey from figs. The land of Israel is full of figs. Fig trees are everywhere. So when he said milk and honey, he actually meant honey that comes from figs. Now, why is that important? What does that have to do with this? The first time figs are mentioned or fig tree or fig leaves are mentioned is in the Old Testament. Adam and Eve sowed fig leaves around themselves. To cover their sin. It was a bloodless religion. It was God, let me fix my own mistakes. God, let me, let me, let me. And all the while, when it was all said and done, God had to kill the lamb in their place. You can never atone for your own mistakes. Just go back to the Lord and he'll take care of it for you. Are you with me? Now, knowing that, Jesus also cursed a fig tree later on. Showing us again, curse your own self-righteousness. Curse your own self-righteousness. And the fig tree withered. Are you with me? It's not your good works. It's the good work of the son who went before us. Yes. Are you with me yes. now mm-hmm. saying all that? Why are figs so important? Figs are sweet. They speak of something sweet. Milk speaks of something that makes you strong. Mm-hmm. As long as you are a child, you need milk so that you will be strong. The land flows, flows means abundance. The promised land, the land of promises in Christ is a land of an abundance of milk. That makes you strong and figs that which is sweet. Mm-hmm. Take that which is sweet and put it on the thing that's killing him. Now, let me ask you, what is a sweet smelling aroma to the Lord today? The cross of Jesus Christ. When you come back to God and you say, Lord, Jesus suffered, it's a sweet smelling aroma. When you start praying in the spirit, it's like a sweet smelling aroma that comes up before the Lord. Every time you say, "Uh, Lord, do this, this this in the name of Jesus or in Jesus name, God smells a sweet smelling aroma. And it's like putting figs on the thing that's killing you. Are you with me? Now, you say, well, Matthew, I prayed in the name of Jesus. It didn't happen. Yeah, but you didn't have, you didn't have this sermon. So, you know, maybe. <laughs> now your faith is being elevated. And everyone said, <laughs> All right, I'm just joking. So, anyways, he says, put the figs and lay it on the boil and he recovers. Now, watch this verse eight. Hezekiah said to Isaiah, What is the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord on the third day? Watch this. Then Isaiah said, this is the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing which he has spoken. Shall the shadow go forward 10 degrees or backward 10 degrees? You know, watch this. Oh, I love this. And Hezekiah answered, it is an easy thing for the shadow to go down 10 degrees, but I'm sorry, it is an easy thing for the shadow to go down 10 degrees. No, but let the shadow go backward 10 degrees. (laughs) So Isaiah the prophet cried out to the Lord and he brought the shadow 10 degrees backward by which it had gone down on the sundial of Ahaz. Now I know the light is kind of making it hard to see. This is a more modern uh, sundial. I just want to make sure everyone knows what a sundial is. Back then they didn't have clocks, all right? The mechanics of a clock. So they want to know what time it is. You literally just put a stick on it and you just put the circle there and you put the hours and wherever the shadow casts, that's what time of day it is. Let me show you a probably more accurate picture. This is, uh, I actually saw a couple of these when we were in Israel. We went to certain places, I think um, in Capernaum where Peter's house was, you can see some of these behind the ropes where you can't touch. All right. But again, they would stick a pole right here, piece of wood. And when the sun would shine on whatever of the day, the shadow would cast this way and it would move across or you get the point if the sun was over here, it would cast this way and move around. Now, Hezekiah says, give me a sign. Isaiah says, okay, this is the sign. Do you want time to go forward 10 degrees or time to go backwards 10 degrees? He says, this is an easy thing for God to speed time up. Let's make time go backwards. You never see that anywhere else in the Old Testament. Joshua held time. God, in Joshua's story, God stopped time. But in this story, God says, I'll give you 10 degrees more time. Now, I tried to find, is it hours? Is it minutes? Is it day? I, I couldn't figure that part out. But regardless, it doesn't change the fact that God will give you more time if more time is what you need. Are you with me? He will give you more time if time is what you need. And let me say this. Jesus redeemed you so you would have the right and the privilege to come into God's presence and say, God, let me say this. I lost this. In fact, let me let me show you why I'm saying this. What was killing him was the boil. It was killing him. And that's time lost. And when I was just meditating on this, the Lord said for some of the people in our church, you have lost time with your children. You've lost time with your family members, your brothers, your sisters. You've lost time here. And the Lord said, I can redeem that time if you'll let me. I'll turn the dial back, not just 10 degrees. I'll turn it back as much as it needs to so that the time lost will actually be time gained for you. Time, let me say this. The world says the only thing that never you never get back is time. You're right. But with God, he can give you that time back. He can give it back to you. You can pick up right where you left off. No matter how bad it looks, no matter how far it's gone. If it's killing you, all the more reason. Hey, Lord, give me this time back. Redeem this time. And you don't have to say, oh, Lord, please redeem my time. Th- please. No, he will give it back to you because it's your right. It's your privilege. And let me say this. Every time I looked at the pictures, I kept going, someone show me a piece of metal. This is metal. But I'm telling you, back then it wouldn't have been metal. It would have been wood. It would have been wood. Every time I looked it up, the only thing I could find was wood. And when I saw wood, it was almost like the Lord was saying, yes, son, you're right on track. Why is wood so important? Because wood speaks of the cross. It speaks of the cross of Jesus. And I'm telling you, whenever you proclaim Jesus' redeem time in this area, it's like all of a sudden the light says, like if the light is on this side, say, Lord, there's a shadow on that side over here. There's darkness on this side. He says, all right, let me move the sun back over there for you so that the shadow won't be over there anymore. I'll shed light on that side. Yes. And when God sheds light on something, his reality becomes yes. reality yes. for us. Yes. And it manifests whatever we need. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You ready to go home? <laughs> Last verse. Ephesians 5. Like I said, I didn't show you this verse earlier. I wanted to save it to the end. Last verse. Ephesians 5, 14 16. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. <laughs> Whatever seems like it's dying in your life. Let me say, stand up. Christ will give you. See then that you all circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming. The time, Time. redeeming the time because the days are evil. Notice he mentions light and redeeming time. The verses before we saw at the beginning of the sermon, the verses before talk about light, light. You are a child of light. You were once darkness. Now you are light. You are a child of light. Walk as a child of light, 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 light. He comes to verse 14. Come to Christ. If you're asleep, come to Christ. He will give you light. Then he finishes by saying you can redeem the time. Why are light and time so intrinsic? Because back then again, the light would shine and tell you what time of day was. I'm telling you, the light of God is shining on everyone in here by the grace of God. Whatever you need redeemed, the Lord is doing it. How do we do it? Pastor proclaim that Jesus did it for you. Whatever area, if it's a, if it's a marital problem, walk away from that person. Don't do it to their face. (laughs) Walk away and tell the Lord, I need you to redeem this. I need you to redeem the time on this. Give me more time. Fix the time that's been lost. The time that's been spent hurting each other. Fix the time. When it comes to children, Lord, I need you to redeem the time with my children. Yeah. Give me back the influence that was once lost. Redeem it. Even if it's a work issue, we can go down the line, but my point is this. Some of us, let me, many of us have suffered with something much longer than the Lord wanted you to. And I believe by the grace of God, the Lord is going to begin to redeem the time lost in those areas. Hallelujah. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning, Lord. Jesus, we thank you that you can redeem all things. You redeemed us. And even this morning, Father, I speak over everyone in here that you will begin to redeem the time for everyone in here, Father. Time that was spent doing the wrong things. Time that was spent going down the wrong trail, down the wrong path. Time that was spent with the wrong people. Father, you are beginning to redeem all those things for everyone in here, myself included, Lord. You are redeeming all things all things father the money that was spent on the wrong things at the wrong places on things that shouldn't have been spent on but we felt like we had to or whatever the reason father again you are redeeming that as well it's an easy thing for you to make the time go forward it's also an easy thing for you to make the time go backward but the world can't believe it so we ask you to do the impossible do the impossible and be who only you can be in our life so we thank you for it this morning. With, your hand, if, with every head bowed, if you would, this morning, if you need something from the Lord, if you need something from him, if you would, just with no one looking around, just lift your hands quietly, and I want you to just out of your mouth proclaim, Jesus, you are redeeming the time in this area. Just out of your own mouth, just say it personally to yourself, Jesus, you are redeeming the time in this area. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you're redeeming the time in this relationship. You're redeeming the time at that job. You're redeeming the time in this area with this doctor. You're redeeming the time lost. Thank you, Jesus. This morning, Father, I thank you that you are buying back everything that we lost. You're buying it back. You've already bought it back. And the light is beginning to manifest that this morning.
0: Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centerscharlotte at gmail.com. Or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.